Welcome to the show. Today we're going to spend some time talking about a few therapies that may help you get over some of those chronic aches and pains. We all know to go see our family doctor and based on their suggestion we may have even tried physiotherapy or massage therapy. Well, these are called complementary therapies. In a 2016 survey by the Fraser Institute, over 2,000 interviews were conducted with randomly selected sample of adults from Canada and they found that more than three quarters of Canadians had used at least one complementary or alternative medicine at some point in their lives. In fact, more than one in two Canadians, 56%, had used at least one of these therapies in the previous 12 months. The most popular therapies for Canadians were massage therapy, followed by chiropractic care, yoga, relaxation techniques, and acupuncture. Well, we're gonna focus on two of these today, acupuncture and chiropractic treatments. Acupuncture is part of traditional Chinese medicine and has been used in China for over 2,500 years. It's now practiced worldwide. So today we're gonna start our conversation with Chris Lim, who's a certified acupuncturist, so he can teach us more about his practice. So Chris, tell me about what acupuncture is. Okay, so acupuncture is the insertion of thin, sterile, single-use needles into various sections of the body. So these needles are going to areas known as meridians. These meridians are channels that flow throughout the body, just like a subway would go around. So the energy going through these meridians is known as qi. And for Chinese medicine, we're looking at balancing the qi. It's just balancing your body's energy, and that's the purpose of the needles. So Chinese medicine um, would look at any disruption with this qi as a cause for pain, or it can lead to physical and mental health issues. Sometimes uh, you're prone to illness when you're under long-term stress or anxiety. When you're relaxed and healthy, your body physically reflects that. So mental health and general well-being does affect your physical health. So what we're trying to do is just uh, even everything out, keep you even keel, and have your body function as optimal as possible. So people could come in for like bad backs, or they could come in for other conditions that weren't necessarily musculoskeletal, but could be sleep or headaches, things like that, I've heard. Yeah, it's, it's really common for that. The most common I've seen in clinic over the years has been pain. So a lot of people just come in for pain. Mm -hmm. um, unaware of the other, you know, the other signs and symptoms that could be around and not thinking anything that their sleep or their headaches or waking up at two o'clock in the morning, hungry, that these are all signs of something underlying. So they come in for pain and throat treatments, you may discover other things that you may need to treat. So when we think about Western medicine, we think about like this vein connects to this part of the body and this nerve connects this part to this, or this bone connects this to this, but, but meridians you're talking about, they're completely different, are they not? They're like more like pathways. These meridians are almost like subway tunnels. So they go out throughout the body, different areas. So that's why if you come into clinic, you can have a needle on your leg that would affect your back, you can have referral pain um, in other areas. So there's distal points, there's proximal points, and there's points, say, uh, in areas of just direct pain, like, say, muscle spasm, you know, which is, it's used in a lot of Western medicine. Physiotherapy will do it. Uh, they'll do dry needling over trigger points, which some people are more familiar with. 
Acupuncture is based on the belief that a vital energy or life force called chi flows through your body in a network of channels called meridians. Acupoints are certain points along these meridians. They're used to unblock the flow of chi and restore balance and health to the body. There are more than 2,000 acupoints on the body and specific points match specific conditions being treated. Qi is believed to have two life forces, yin and yang. Yin and yang are opposite but balancing forces that together form a whole. Health is seen as a balance of yin and yang where qi flows freely through the body. Problems with the flow of qi are believed to affect your physical, emotional, mental and spiritual health. And by inserting needles into specific points along these meridians, acupuncture practitioners believe that your energy will flow and rebalance. In contrast, many Western practitioners view the acupuncture points as places to stimulate nerves, muscles, and connective tissues. Some believe that this stimulation boosts your body's natural painkillers. Like Chris mentioned, acupuncture is usually done with very thin, actually hair-thin stainless steel needles. These needles are inserted into your skin at certain acupoints. The acupuncturist decides which acupoints to treat and how many needles will be used. When acupuncture needles are worked by either the hands or a mild electric current, the sensation sends nerve impulses to the spine and brain regions that activate the body's healing power to help correct and rebalance the system. It's also important to note that acupuncture doesn't involve any drugs. Acupoints may be unblocked in other ways, such as with the fingers, which is called acupressure, light beams using a laser, weak electrical currents using electroacupuncture, or ultrasound. You know, I heard one time when you think about like the difference between Western and Eastern medicine is that, uh, you know, Western medicine may treat some of the symptoms. Like, for example, you got a headache, you take Tylenol, but people might use something like acupuncture to prevent the headaches from ever occurring as opposed to treating them once they've occurred. Is that correct? That's correct. So that's... Uh... Something acupuncture and even uh, modalities like massage therapy, they'll you know look to peel away at the different layers like an onion to get down to the root cause of the headaches. So energetically, a headache could be a deficiency in somebody, or it could be an excess of energy. Okay, and so again, another term that seems different for somebody in the Western medicine side of things is energy. You know, we we know like we'll look at a neurotransmitter or we'll look at a molecule in the body and say that's responsible for it. But energy is not something you typically go to the doctor and say, I'd like to have my energy tested. That, and, yeah. yeah, so that, how, that how, do you, how do you explain that? So um, picture the body like a giant computer. So this computer is running energy information. And so things throughout your life, stress and uh, diet and even weather, that can affect the energy of somebody. So that can kind of uh, cause some problems with people. So with acupuncture, you'd look to redirect or bring down or bring up different levels to even the body out and kind of bring it to its own homeostasis. So how is sticking uh, an acupuncture needle in somebody helping facilitate some of that? So these needles uh, would go into areas that have traditionally been used over thousands of years. So they've shown that these points in combination with other points do promote these effects and bring your body down to homeostasis in itself, really. Okay, and so how often does somebody have to get treatments for acupuncture? 
and yeah. how do they know if it's working or when should they be triggered to come in? You know, um, it's typical for say chronic conditions. It could take a little bit longer, three to three to five treatments. Uh, acute conditions, it could be a little quicker. Um, it really would depend on the actual condition. And there's also be things like less pain, more more movement, or less pain, more movement, but also too uh, in terms of if you're trying to reduce edema or something like that. Certain medications can cause that. So. Uh, some uh, some steroids can cause inflammation, like prednisone. Right. It's common for uh, inflammation. So sometimes when you're trying to reduce somebody's swelling or edema, it can be masked by that. Is it used in combination with other treatments? Like uh, I always ask all the allied health professionals, mm-hmm. like you know, should they be used in conjunction with? Uh, yeah, acupuncture is definitely uh, one of the. It can be one of the lighter treatments. So. Somebody with acute inflammation can go there and, you know, if they're more sensitive, there's always alternatives to how you conduct your acupuncture treatments. So it does uh, tie in really well with other, other modalities. Acupuncture is mainly used to relieve pain and discomfort, but it can be used for a variety of diseases and conditions, including chemotherapy-induced and post-operative nausea and vomiting, dental pain, headaches including tension headaches and migraines, labor pain, low back or neck pain, osteoarthritis, and respiratory disorders such as allergic rhinitis. It's increasingly being used for overall wellness and in particular for stress management. I think the world is more open to a lot of this now Um, and this is why this show is important too because People need to understand what the options are for them because a lot of times we might have success in one thing or another. But like, where did like you know where did the interest in Eastern medicine come from? Like, when did acupuncture start to permeate into or, or other types like cupping? When did that start to sort of get to the forefront? Uh, it was around seventy one, I guess, when uh, North America was introduced to Chinese medicine. Um, so it was also moxibustion is a part of acupuncture as well. What's moxibustion? Sorry, moxibustion is the burning of a herb called mugwort. Okay. So different applications. It could be a, a smokeless stick that you hold over the needle to heat the needle to insert some of this energy into the needle. It's a warming uh, technique. Um, there's also direct where you put the moxibustion action on the person and light it on fire. And there's the indirect where you, know, you could put on the needle and burn it on the needle. Huh. And what's the theory with this? Is it a highly energetic? Yeah, it's almost like uh, inserting external energy into the body. And this um, one, this one plant has been determined to be the one that it, it just does. But there's also an alternative if you can't burn, say, in where I am in one of my clinics, we use a heat lamp. Uh-huh. So the heat lamp is used instead of the burning of right. So it's not so much the the herb itself; it's more the heat from the herb. It, it is a yeah, it is a heat application. There is something with the herb, but uh, um, there's also something that's called electroacupuncture, right? Yep. There's electroacupuncture, so it's um, these electrodes are placed on needles along this, typically along the same channel, and uh, they would have a current running through them just to help stimulate a bit more. So traditionally, uh, an acupuncturist would manually stimulate the needles. Mm-hmm. So this this just allows for multiple areas to be stimulated at the same time, or just for a longer period of time. I mean, that sounds a lot like a tens unit you'd see in physiotherapy, where they stick an electrode on one nerve intervention 
uh, on, on either sides of a muscle and then they would turn the electric current through it and they it would cause it to contract. Yeah. Sort of same thing where you're trying to trigger different pathways. Yeah, different meridians. So I remember watching the Olympics and seeing Michael Phelps. I think everybody saw it and he had like these big hickeys on his back yeah. and they were for cupping. And yep. as a result, then you saw Asuna, the, the pitcher for the Blue Jays, he had them and everybody had, everybody had cupping marks on them. What's up with cupping? So cupping is probably my favorite uh, just due to personal experience. So I had an injury that was on my shoulder close to 10 years. And so when I was being trained, I was the guinea pig for cupping. So they cupped my shoulder and it turned black. Mm. It was a solid black circle. So three days later, solid black circle had faded to a light gray mm -hmm. and had cupping again. So this cupping overlapped my old cup mark and it came up dark, dark, you know, dark gray and light gray overlapped where the old cup had been. It didn't take. So I could visibly see the two, you know, differentiation in the cups. It did relieve uh, what I had going on with my shoulder, but it was nice to actually see it. So kind of uh, think about um, if you hit your thumb with a hammer mm -hmm. and you get that blood under the nail and that blood just stays there until it falls off. Even though it was 10 years, it made no sense to me at the time, but that blood was still there. And until it was cupped, it, you know, was causing issues. So the cupping actually pulls. Yeah, so the... it's, it's like a reverse massage. Uh, it's equivalent to like a deep tissue massage, but it's a uh, it's a vacuum. So the negative pressure is pulling up and uh, just helping with blood and lymph to the area. So with the healing process. So what you actually do is so explain the process of what you do, what the tools look like, and everything else, right? So we got some right here. So there's several different cups. There's uh, traditionally the original cups uh, could have been bamboo cups. And what they would do was uh, take a cotton ball and they'd uh, have an alcohol and they'd just light it on fire inside, create a vacuum, put the cup on, and it would cause a suction. Uh, now cups are glass cups, different shapes glass cups. Uh, some are used for sliding. Uh, now there's also pump cups, which is uh, what Phelps had done. Uh, more than likely, I actually saw the physical therapist for the US team and uh, they were using the cups um, with uh, the addition of movements. So they help, and you know, it's a kind of a fascial treatment as well. Um, and then there's also silicone cups, which are now used as well. And uh, there's also little facial cups that are just, uh, become a bit more popular too for cosmetic purposes. Let's, let's take a little uh, venture off of the specific modalities yeah, yeah. right now. When you're dealing with people that are coming in, it probably becomes important that lifestyle play a role and some of the treatments that you give like how important is it for people to have a healthy lifestyle in any sort of recovery from injuries or even chronic health conditions like headaches like you said i think a lot of it is um, people need to be a little proactive on taking care of themselves you can see it during you know during covid where people couldn't get any treatments at all when when everything reopened they noticed the difference in their mood and their lifestyle, uh, you know, things they had to change in their lifestyle. But change you mean what? Like, so they had to improve it on their own because they didn't have somebody to rely on like you. They had to take it into their own hands. Is that what you mean? It is. They they were kind of trying to figure out, okay, what uh, what was I having treated? How can I help myself? And 
you know, trying to take notes on what they used to do. So recommendations like getting out to walk and getting out to hike, getting getting out of nature was a big thing for some people that uh, these were things that had been forgotten. There's amazing data showing that like the Fitbits and all the different tracking tools for walking were up like, like almost sometimes 50% in certain communities, people just getting out and moving around. And I think that, you know, people learned how to cook and sort of reconnected with some of those aspects as well. Yeah, and the movement's a, a big thing too. The same, same with the uh, similar to massage and tweena and all the stuff, even just moving such as, you know, walking and yoga and hiking, you're moving. So sedentary lifestyle isn't, you know, that's not what humans were meant to do, not sit at you know, a desk all the time. Yeah. It's in their vehicles. So, uh, you know, when things like that happened, everything blocks up and blocks up and the energy is not flowing as well when you're just sedentary. So you kind of got to promote it and move yourself between uh, you're moving the joints, acupuncture, you're inserting the needles to help promote movement. So movement's a, a big thing. Right. And a lot of people though, they get injured and they, they think the last thing they should do is they should just rest and not move. But we've had any allied health professional I've had on here, even exercise person for that matter, has always said that movement is critically important for recovery. So they come see somebody like you, they get a bit more pain relief or they get a bit more motion and they should capitalize on that is what you're saying. Yeah. And so even movement, um, Qigong, Qigong masters and Tai Chi, that is essentially acupuncture in the movement form. So if you practice Qigong or Tai Chi, you're actually kind of conducting acupuncture on yourself. So movement, movement is key for helping you just in general. One thing people find after or during a treatment, after certain energetic treatments, they feel like they've meditated. Um, you know, it kind of puts them in a little sedated state. So it kind of turns the mind off a little bit and lets the body reset on its own. It would be a different type of treatment, but uh, it, it can happen. So that's something that some people actually enjoy about having acupuncture. That's their downtime. They get to relax. Their body gets to shut off and let it do its thing. So it is kind of a meditative state uh, for some people, which, you know, some people, that they don't get it. Uh, some people will come in because that's their only time in the day to lay on a table. And relax. Peace and quiet for 20 minutes, half an hour. And, not have the kids knocking on the door or having to make a, having to make a meal or get stuck in traffic. So it's a good relaxation point for some people. Do you find a lot of physicians are now recommending acupuncture and things like cupping? Uh, more and more. And I think it's the education in the alternative um, medicines and also complementary medicines. I think seeing it in mainstream media and also people looking to take things into their own hands and look after themselves, be proactive to focus more to prevent injury and try and, you know, prevent uh, other health issues. They're taking care of themselves, really, and it comes down to a lot of education. Right. And you see people like the Michael Phelps of the world that are these athletes or, you know, yeah, pitchers seeing, in baseball with cupping marks on them. You you're know? seeing the elite athletes partaking in therapies to... Uh, you know, peak, to give them peak performance and longevity in their careers. Um, you know, years ago, you didn't even see a foam roller around, and now you see people foam rolling and foam rollers at every, you know, every corner. Right. Well, I guess it's the same thing with technology. You look at race cars. 
the technology they use in race cars is then filtered down into the car we drive day to day because that's the testing ground and elite athletes have always been at the forefront of training therapy modalities yeah oh definitely and you know you see their influence just in uh, general population now so uh you know people are looking after themselves uh, there's more education now on what other you know other practitioners do so you see occupational therapists doing uh, ergonomic setups you see physiotherapists helping people with uh, rehab or also helping prevent injuries we're seeing uh, you know kinesiologists doing the same thing doing ergonomic assessments as well and uh, helping with movement you see chiropractic uh, you know helping people a lot now, especially tied in with massage therapy. So you got the two coupling together, you have the soft, soft tissue work, and then you have the uh, chiropractic adjustments that uh, just help, you know, keep the, uh, the body moving. The risk for acupuncture is low if you have a competent, certified acupuncture practitioner using sterile single-use needles. Common side effects include soreness and minor bleeding or bruising where the needles were inserted. Single-use disposable needles are now the practice standard, so the risk of infection is minimal. But remember, not everyone is a good candidate for acupuncture. You may be at risk if you have complications like a bleeding disorder because your chances of bleeding or bruising from the needles is increased, or you have a pacemaker because acupuncture can sometimes involve applying mild electrical pulses to the needles, or if you're pregnant, because some types of acupuncture are thought to stimulate labor, which could result in premature delivery. But rest assured, there's provincial authorities that govern the men and women who practice traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture. And they govern these individuals to ensure that patients receive safe, quality, and ethical healthcare services. A huge thank you to Chris Lin for taking the time to explain acupuncture to us and some of the other traditional Chinese medicine techniques that he uses. We're going to jump to a break, but when we come back, we'll be with Dr. Brianna Hines. She is a chiropractor and the owner of Align Chiropractic. So Brianna, or should I say Dr. Hines? Brianna's fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show. You're a doctor of chiropractic. Yes. So. Explain to the listeners what that is. So a doctor of chiropractic is an expert when it comes to the joints and the muscles in your body. We perform a manual therapy called an adjustment. So that's the main focus. And that's where we're going to restore motion and improve your body's function by delivering this manual adjustment to your body. And that's usually when you hear that clicking or that popping sound that most people think of when they think about a chiropractor. Right. And is that usually on the spine or can you do that in other parts of the body? So we focus primarily on the spine, but we can adjust every other joint in the body. But oftentimes people will come in with pain that may be down their arm or down their leg, but the problem is coming from their back and the vertebrae. Mm -hmm. So if the vertebrae is slightly out of place or out of alignment, that interferes with the nerves in the nervous system and that sends signals elsewhere in the body. So that's why we focus on the spine. Well, actually explain how the spine's anatomy works for folks then because I think that vertebrae and discs, they've heard these words before, but they might not actually understand how they all sort of work together. So from your brain, your brain stem will come down through that and go all the way down through your spine and your vertebrae protects that. So your spinal cord is in the 
between the vertebrae. Okay. So if your vertebrae are slightly out of alignment or shifted slightly, putting pressure on any of these nerves, that, that interferes with the signals that are being sent elsewhere down into your body. So a lot of times people will hear about sciatica because that's a very common one. So people will get pain going down their leg, but it's actually coming from a nerve that is being pinched in their back. Mm -hmm. So when they come in for a treatment, we're not actually treating their leg, we're treating their back. It's almost like a hose where there's no water coming out the end, but the kink is somewhere further up the hose. Exactly. Okay. I've also heard the analogy for the spine and the, and the nervous system being like a breaker panel in the body where each one of the breakers at different levels of the vertebrae are responsible for different outlets in the body. And that could be your arm or your kidneys or your leg, like you were just talking about. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Because each section of your spine that have nerves coming out goes to innervate a different area of your body. So for example, in between your shoulder blades are where the nerves will go to innervate your lungs. So sometimes people will come in who are suffering from asthma or have shortness of breath. We will deliver an adjustment in that area to try to help improve with that. Yeah. And you see, so for me, I thought this was an interesting topic for people because I've had my fair share of injuries. I herniated a disc in my neck. And I remember like you talk about like the referral, I, I, I didn't have feeling in my pinky for a long time. I still don't have full feeling in it. And so, you know, understanding the different roles and what the education is of people and what they do, I think that's really important for the listeners. So um, to, to help establish just how comprehensive it is, because you are a doctor and most people think, you know, medical doctor, but you're a, a doctor of chiropractic. What's the training you guys have to do to become that? So in total, it is eight years of training to become a doctor of chiropractic. We have to get a bachelor's degree first. I did my training at MON. I have a bachelor's of kinesiology. And then after that, you do a four-year program at a chiropractic school. I did my training down in Palmer College, which is one of the founding colleges of chiropractic in the United States. And they have a focus on treating the person as a whole and treating the body as a whole. Um, we focus on spinal adjustments as well as nutritional counseling and exercises and other areas like that. So that's why I really enjoyed going to school down there. Well, actually, that's a really good point. So we'll talk about that too. Like uh, when it comes to a lot of therapy, a lot of the time people will sometimes go to see a chiropractor or they'll go see another allied health professional and they don't understand some of the other responsibilities they have. We had a physiotherapist on uh, in a previous show and, and a guy who recovered from a pretty traumatic ski injury. And we're talking about all the work that needs to be done. Do you just do adjustments or do you, do you actually try and work on the other aspects with people too? Uh, so that's a great question. I get that a, a lot from patients who come into the clinic and that's a big misconception. And I think it's because there are so many different types of chiropractors. Not everybody is the same. I do work on the soft tissues as well, so it's not just an adjustment that you'll get when you come in to see me. I will do other techniques such as myofascial release techniques, or I do instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization, uh, and there will be stretches and nutritional counseling given to you during your appointment. So it's, again, like I mentioned, treating the body as a whole. It's just not a one quick fix. We're looking at what all of your issues are and trying to address those when you come in to see me. Right, so you, so you mentioned myofascial release, and, and so for those listening, you may not understand what that is, but it's basically you're helping break some of the casing of the muscle up to loosen it up, and that would be because those muscles that are tight are going to pull joints out of place? Exactly. Okay, and then they got to create the balance with that. So again, you could you'd probably be providing stretching to folks and things like that as well. Definitely, yeah. Okay. So when people go for an adjustment, yeah. this is a question I think everybody wants to know. It's, it's an interesting science question, really. What's the sound, like that popping sound when you give an adjustment? 
So the popping sound is just the release of gases from the joint when we're delivering the adjustment. So there are other things that are going on in the joint. That immediate sense of relief that you feel has to do with the mechanoreceptors in your body. So the best way to explain it would be if you were to think about leaving your fridge door open and it's sending out the beeping signal. So that's kind of what hap is happening to your body when you feel that area that's in pain. When we deliver that adjustment and we put the joint back into alignment, we are restoring the body's normal function. So then you feel immediately a sense of relief after we deliver it. Right. So, okay. So then the door's closed and everything's good. And, exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's interesting because, um, you know, there is a lot of relief from people, people like almost like a, they feel like they need an adjustment and then they get put back in alignment. They feel, they feel comfortable afterwards, which is, which is really interesting. Um, I guess I got asked a question that uh, a lot of people would be afraid or hesitant to go into a chiropractor about is that, you know, people have heard stories of people getting strokes when they adjust their neck. What's the, what's the explanation for that? Does that occur? It does occur, sadly. It is something that is a risk the same way with any sort of treatment or therapy that you get. There are risks involved. Same way you would visit your family doctor and they may prescribe you medication that has risks. Chiropractic does have risks to it and that is definitely one of the major ones. Um, when someone comes in to visit me and they're a new patient, I get this quite often and I always explain it to them when they come in that it's not something that I'm going to force on patients if they're not comfortable with it. There are other treatment options. And when someone comes in, I will do a detailed history and exam to even determine if they're a candidate for neck adjustment. Chiropractic adjustments are safe when they're performed by someone trained and licensed to deliver chiropractic care. Serious complications associated with chiropractic adjustments are overall rare. But people that are seeking chiropractic adjustments should take care if they have the following conditions. The first is severe osteoporosis, because that's a weakness of the bones. There can also be people with numbness, tingling, or loss of strength in an arm or a leg, because that could indicate some sort of damage to a disc or a nerve. If you have cancer of your spine, that puts you at increased risk, as well as if you have an increased risk for stroke or a known bone abnormality in the upper neck. These are all things you could discuss with your chiropractor or your doctor prior to seeking chiropractic treatment. You mentioned that your training was very holistic when it came to things like exercise and nutrition. What's the role of exercise for people in not only preventing injuries, but also taking care of them once they've come in to see you? Um, that's a big part of home care that I give for my patients. But exercise plays a big role because that is what is going to ensure that the patient ends up holding their adjustments so they continue to feel better and that they will no longer need my care. So as a chiropractor, I pride myself on being able to deliver the best care that I can in order to get my patients healthy and feeling better. And they should eventually not need to come back in to see me. Right. So in order to get them to that point, they do need to be doing exercises at home as well as coming in for treatment, not just relying on my care. Because right. at the end of the day, I can't fix all of their problems if they are not putting the work in themselves. Well, half an hour every fourth 
day or third day is not it's a not lot enough. of time. Yeah. yeah, it's not enough. Uh, and I remember just again personal experience for anybody's listening because um, I've gone through a pretty traumatic neck injury, and I remember that it was a progressive exercise. It was starting with a neck tilt, and then it was a neck tilt and looking up, and then it was like looking over to the side, and then I was testing my strength with my hand grip regularly, and that that sort of feedback is important. But I also was called out if I didn't do my stretches because it's or my exercises because it's pretty apparent to the therapist. And ultimately, I think you'd probably want to make people better. So if they're not doing it, how do you deal with people that are not compliant? Usually, I can tell when someone's not compliant because when they come back in to see me, it's the same complaints. We've kind of leveled out on their pain and they're just not getting better. And at the end of the day, you just have to be honest with, with the patient and make them realize that it comes down to them and they have to take responsibility for themselves and start making their health a priority and doing these exercises or doing these stretches if they actually want to see results. Right. Okay. So let's talk about other risk factors just for like getting an injury to begin with. Um, how big of a role does lifestyle play? This is a wellness show. We talk about lifestyle in every different way. We're talking about ways to exercise, ways to eat and everything else. But like it's how critical is, is lifestyle when it comes to your likelihood of getting injured and ending up in your office? Uh, it's very critical because at the end of the day, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you are inactive, if you're overweight, you're not eating right, you're more likely to get injured. You have more inflammation in your body to begin with, and you will experience more pain than someone who is taking care of themselves. Right. And how, what about recovery time? Somebody who comes in who's relatively fit versus somebody who's not fit? Same sort of thing. Someone who is not very fit is going to have a harder time of getting better. Their body is not going to heal as quickly as someone who is taking care of it. So that's why usually when someone comes in on their very first assessment, I will do a bit of a lifestyle coaching with them and recommend some um, alternatives such as even if it is just trying to stop drinking Pepsi every day and start drinking water, maybe you need to start taking omega-3s and cut out some of those fast foods every day. It, it, all, it all takes a toll on the patient and I, I believe that these small recommendations, just making small changes can help them feel better faster. Yeah, ultimately, I mean, they're putting themselves backwards when it comes to, to, to building your body, making it stronger. Your quality of sleep is impacted by this type of thing. Your ability to handle stress, you know, then you've got comorbid conditions where you feel crummy. And yeah, it's a, it's kind of a mess. Um, and, and really, that's what we hope people get out of this. And so uh, if and we're going to go back to lifestyle, we're going to talk about nutrition because I know you're trained in nutrition. But before we get to that, like who are the people that should be reaching out to get help from somebody like yourself? <sighs> Honestly, anyone who is experiencing any sort of ache or pain in their body could benefit from chiropractic care. Or e even if you just want to move better and feel better, if you're an athlete and you don't suffer from general aches and pains at the end of the day, but you wish to perform better at the gym, then you could visit a chiropractor to see, make sure all your joints are functioning properly, or that you are being the healthiest that you can be. A lot of times I do get people who are coming in, it's almost like a last resort. I've had this pain for, for two years and I haven't done anything about it and now I'm finally here doing something. So that's a lot of times what we will get into the office, but it can benefit really anyone. Right. And I think that that's the, people need to understand the nature of injuries. Like an injury should not hurt for a long period of time. You should have a period that's traumatic and acute that hurts for your whatever period of time. If you have a broken bone, it could be several months. But in general, if you have a strain or a sprain, it should heal. Exactly. If you're feeling pain after a certain amount of time, there's something chronic developing and that's never going to go away unless you do something to fix it. 
Exactly. So what percentage of people do you think come in with chronic pain versus the acute? I would say at my office, I'm probably closer to like a 75% chronic pain and then 25% acute, mm -hmm. unfortunately. But a lot of it does have to do with education because of the 75% that are chronic, they realize at the time when they injured themselves that they could have done something about that instead of leaving it and waiting until it was two years down the road and they haven't changed any of their lifestyle habits, mm -hmm. uh, then we could have made a bigger difference. And it's going to be a problem that's a lot harder to fix right. compared to if they would have come in years ago. Well, I think about New Year's resolutions for people, just for example, on the wellness topic, okay? And people are like, I'm going to lose weight this year. Well, maybe the reason you can't get in shape or get to where you want to be is because your hip hurts too much for you to walk properly or you've got chronic pain in your back or your neck or something along those ways, which is limiting you from getting the physical activity, which you know is a critical aspect of, of getting fitter. You know, how would you encourage people to like assess what's going on inside of them so that they can have the freedom? Like what, or, or better question, what happens to somebody when they actually get mobility back? I see it a lot of times where people do start to move and exercise more when they realize that their body is just not in pain. But a lot of times people don't realize how good they can actually feel until they come in and we start doing adjustments, we start doing soft tissue therapies and it's like, oh wow, I can't actually throw that ball without my arm hurting so I don't mind going to play baseball one or two times a week or as before it was something that I used to dread to do. Right. Right. And okay, so you also talked about uh, nutrition earlier. You gave a couple tips for people on that, just saying cut out this, cut out that. But like, well, how critically important is nutrition in what you do? Because, I mean, if I was looking from the outside, I would say, you know, for chiropractic, it wouldn't necessarily be that important, but it sounds so, like it might be. So it plays an important role because at the end of the day, we are doing these adjustments to help restore your alignment so your body can heal itself properly. But if you aren't eating the right foods and you're just eating garbage all the time, your body doesn't have the proper building blocks to heal itself. So that's why I'll look at someone's lifestyle when they come in and assess the types of foods they're eating, see if they're drinking enough water and make some recommendations based on that or different supplements that they may need, such as omega-3s. That's a big one because it helps put the body into a anti-inflammatory state where most of us are in this pro-inflammation from all the fast foods that we're eating and um, just not putting the right things into our bodies. Yeah, so that's interesting and I think we'll, I'm probably going to have a whole episode on that but basically why omega-3s and not the 6s and 9s is our ratio of 6s and 9s are so high we need exactly. the 3s to equal the balance because uh, they help the inflammation. Who are the types of people that should be coming in? Is it Young people, old people, like like, what's the demographic for chiropractic? Um, I can treat a newborn baby right on up to 99 years old. There is yeah. no age limit. Um, I've had newborns probably as young as one month old that have come in for treatment due to misalignment in their spine. It can happen in the birth process. That's something that's traumatic on babies. So they sometimes require adjustments right on up. Even if someone does has risk factors with osteoporosis, there are not manual adjustments that I can do, but treatments that chiropractors can offer that will help. One of the things uh, I think is important is we shop around for a lot of different things in life. We look for the right person to cut our hair, you know, and we're viciously loyal to those people. But I think sometimes people don't take that same attitude when it comes to 
their allied health professionals. What should somebody look for in a chiropractor? I think that they need to feel comfortable with them because it is something that is very hands-on and you're up close and personal with that person. So you have to feel safe with around that person and be able to trust them. Um, I have a lot of patients that come in that have said that they've tried other chiropractors before and they've had different outcomes, but of course every chiropractor is different. We all have our own treatment options and different techniques that we use, so not one chiropractor is the same. Right. And so if, you know, maybe it's not chiropractic, it didn't work, maybe it was the, the type of practitioner you had within it, because there's also, chiropractic care has changed a lot over the years, has it not? Definitely, yeah. So a lot of times it's referred to as like an old school chiropractor, someone who will just do adjustments, which there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not my style. Like I mentioned, I went to Palmer. We're focusing on the body as a whole. Mm -hmm. So when someone comes in, it's not going to be just a quick two-minute adjustment. I'm going to spend my time with the patient and we're going to be working on soft tissues like I mentioned and then there could be different exercises or stretches that we're doing. It's a, it's a whole encompassing package. Right. One other thing is that you know a lot of people put all their eggs in one basket when they go for they go for care, right? So they may rely on medication which is definitely a useful modality in certain cases. They may rely on chiropractic. They may be in the school of massage therapy or exercise or whatever, but what's the, what's the role of combining several different elements together in patient care? So that is key to getting better. And uh, not every practitioner feels that way. Sometimes people do believe that, oh, maybe certain therapies are superior to others, but I do not believe in that. I think that seeing multiple practitioners is going to ensure your best chance at getting better because not everyone does the same thing for you. At my clinic, I have four massage therapists who work there with me and we go hand in hand with treating patients back and forth because we know that they will get the best care possible. If someone goes for a massage first before they come in for an adjustment, their body is relaxed and feeling loose and then they can get a better treatment from me because of it. You know, I always ask people about their own personal philosophy on things, but what would you tell the listener? Um, you know, because I've, I've learned a lot today about what chiropractors do and, and sort of the approach that you take and sort of the, the methodology that, that you yourself take as a practitioner, but also like how chiropractic works. What's the takeaway for folks if they are contemplating going to go see a chiropractor? So if you have chronic pain, why wouldn't you do something about it? Chiropractic is just one of many ways that has been proven to help with your pain and to help restore motion and improve your body's function. Mm -hmm. I became a chiropractor because I was suffering from low back pain and I had went to see my family doctor and it had gotten so bad that I actually ended up in the emergency room and they had suggested that I go see a chiropractor. And at the time, I questioned it. I was like, wait now, I'm young, I'm only 19. I don't need to see a chiropractor and have my joints cracked, but I did it. And the chiropractor that I went to see, she went to Palmer College where I ended up going. And I went to see her for so many sessions and she helped improve my back pain so much that I knew from that very first visit that that was something that I wanted to do because it made such an impact on my life that I wanted to be able to help people the way that she helped me. 
That's great. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for taking the time today from your very busy practice. I know it's a relatively new practice and you guys have been very busy. Yes, we have. Especially yeah. things opening back up. Um, but I think that was really important information for people to hear and hopefully some people listening that have had chronic pain for a long time maybe investigate something new if they haven't tried chiropractic. Great. Thanks, Mike. Well, thank you to Chris Lim and Dr. Brianna Hines for taking the time out of their schedules to have a chat with us about something that's really important. I'd encourage everybody that's listening to be proactive with your health. If you've had a condition for a long period of time, take some steps to try and make it better. Relieve that pain because you could have a whole life of activity and enjoyment and quality at your fingertips if you just take that first step. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of the Health and Wellness Show on your VOCM.